All right, welcome back to the Morning Brushback. This is episode 49. I'm Dan Blewett. I'm joined here by my co-host, Bobby, a.k.a. Did you ever have a nickname? No. Co-host of the year is my new nickname. Co-host of the year. Unvaccinated co-host <laughs> of the year. All it's natural. not true. I am. I, Expose I me to the elements. I will maybe live or maybe die, but I'll die on my own terms. Bobby I will, Stevens. I will roll around in the dirt and be safe from all things. Well, speaking of that, did you watch, uh, I don't know how much of a Joe Rogan podcast watcher you are. I wouldn't say I'm like a big fan. My like The neck of my shirt looks weird. Um, it's a new shirt, but it looks kind of like bacony. It's not great. Uh, he has like, I, I enjoy Joe Rogan's podcast because he, I think is a very curious uh, person. He, I think he's a good interviewer, all that stuff. But he had one with Joel Salatin. Do you know who Joel Salatin is? I don't, and I didn't see that one. I do, I do check like weekly to see who he's had on. And you should watch that one with Joel Salatin. He's not a name that you would otherwise probably know because, like, for me, I kind of scan his YouTube videos to see like which like if someone that I recognize. I think everyone probably Mm -hmm. does that. But he, uh, Joel Salatin, was featured in a book um, called "In Defense of Food." No, or maybe it was "The Omnivore's Dilemma," or maybe both. But they were written by Michael Pollan. And this was maybe 10. This is back in college I read it. But anyway, it was about like the omnivore's de- dilemma was about where our food comes from, like where it actually comes from. So like you eat a steak, but like the book basically discussed how much of your steak is made of corn and where that corn comes from. Because just though, you know, in the, especially in the Midwest where you live, literally everything's made out of corn. And they, it's funny because they can actually track this through your body. Like the, they can tell the different types of carbon and so the human body today is made up of like 40% carbon from corn. Like we know it's from corn because your cereal is made of carbon from corn. Like corn is ground up into maltodextrin. It's right. processed. Corn syrup is everything. Like your cows eat so much corn so that the steak is essentially corn. Like literally everything is, is, is the molecules from corn. Um, so anyway, but this, this guy, Joel Salton, he owns this farm in Virginia, which actually is close mm-hmm. enough where I can get his food. Um, it's called Polyface farm. And he just talks in the book about how his like cows and pigs live like actual pigs. Like his chickens live like actual chickens. Like they eat grubs out of the grass. They eat grass. They run around like they act, all these animals actually live the way they're supposed to. And so anyway, he, he was on, um, Joe Rogan's podcast and talks about food and how food should be basically twice as expensive as it is now. But if it was, the health benefits of animals being raised this way and eating vegetables and eating all these like natural foods would essentially flip the way healthcare and food costs are. He said back in like 1970, I think it was people spent maybe 9% of their budget on healthcare and 18% on food. Today, it's the exact opposite, which is really strange. And just mm-hmm. kind of like coincidental that we spent 18% of our budget on healthcare and 9% on food. And he said, well, maybe if we're eating healthier food and being more active, that would flip again. And a lot of these health, these health issues we know are not as well controlled by medicine, which is often, like you said, regulated by these money hungry companies that want you to take medicine and would rather you be medicated which makes right. them money rather than have healthy food and spend 
but people are used to their prices and they don't want to spend, you know, $18 a pound on steak or $10 no, a pound right. on chicken. They don't want to spend that. But then if maybe if you did your healthcare and your long-term health is a lot better where you don't have to spend that money on being sick. So really, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. We talked about this last podcast too, like yeah. organic eating organic. And I said, I would rob a, uh, I would loot my local whole foods. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just organic food is so expensive and I, it rightfully yeah. so, right. It's probably takes twice as much time to, if you're a farmer to, mm -hmm. to get that. So you got charged twice as much. I mean, I get it, but yeah. it also, it shines a light on the fact that like people can go to the dollar store and essentially do their grocery shopping. But if you look mm -hmm. at the back of some of those boxes, none of that sounds like food. It all yeah. sounds like chemical, like, you know, you drink a Arizona iced tea and it's essentially like, is it like iced tea or is it chemicals that you know, like, yeah, what do ever you got there? Are this they is, chemicals? This is gold peak. Yeah. Aspartame and yeah, this is this. Well, this was half unsweetened and half uh, diet diet tea that I mixed it with. But brewed tea, phosphoric acid. That's it. So two ingredients. That's not bad. That's not as bad. No, that's. But it's. Well, I yeah. I heard somebody. Uh, I saw somebody do like an. A, I don't know if it was. It wasn't like an experiment. It was just like a example where they threw something on the ground and watched the ants. Like if the ants would go and eat it, and the ants wouldn't go anywhere near it. He's like. If animals don't want to eat it. He's like, that's a good indicator that it's probably not good for you to eat. Like that's, that's basically how we figured out like how mushrooms, how you could eat mushrooms, like uh, native Americans, you kind of watch the animals. What do they eat? And if it's safe for them and it's was, they felt like it was safe for that uh, humans. Berries I would, and stuff I, like that. I would say that's I mean, it's a, not like that's an exact a, that's, science. That's a, but, that's a poor, uh, yeah, I'd say that's a poor test because ants would eat maple syrup. And if you just only eat maple syrup, you're going to get diabetes. No, no, not that it's not that it, whether or not they eat it is, is bait, like whether it's edible, essentially it's like, they're not going to eat, uh, like if you throw aspartame on the ground, they're not, they don't go after that because it's like an artificial sweetener. Like they don't recognize that as something that's edible food. But I bet they would eat a gummy bear made of asp made with like a low sugar gummy bear. I bet they would eat. Well, I think sugars. it depends on the way it's, I think it depends on the way it's presented. Like how can a, Ant eat aspartame. I guess they could just grab the granules, but that's it. It was, it was a visual. He had like a visual, like a controlled experiment of ants. But were yeah. they the same ants? Were they GMO ants? You, you never know. know. So, in, so in today's show, we have a bunch of topics we're going to cover. Number one, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak getting in trouble for breaking quarantine on the Indians. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, in the same vein, front office dating between players and the front office. Interesting topic, I think. People um, don't know anything about that. People yet. don't. And we're not going to get into any gore details, but yeah. Um, the golden age. What was the golden age of, of being an athlete? And social media and, and video ties into that. Also, talk about Ryan Christensen, the A's bench coach, and how he got in trouble recently. Um, we'll chat about some of that. Marcus Stroman opting out. Shohei Otani, which is a little bit of old news from like a week ago. His injury... And I think the overall scope of like Asian players seeming to not really, um, they just seem to be get hurt when they come to the U.S. and why that might be. And lastly, we'll talk about baseball bodies. And this was from a conversation I had with a, uh, a person from the United Kingdom recently and her conceptions of why do some baseball players look kind of fat? <laughs> like, wouldn't they be better? <laughs> wouldn't they be better if they're more fit? which is not necessarily true. So let's start here with Clevenger and Plesak. So 
Clevenger got in trouble. He broke quarantine in Chicago, went out with Zach Plesak, who is, um, I guess a rookie, he's a rookie in Chicago native. And Plesak got demoted. Was that right? And then, or, yeah. And then Plesak got sent home. Sent home. Um, and Clevenger is quarantined for 14 days, proving once and for all that the better you are, the more you get away with. Yeah. Well, and we were talking, I mean, Plesak has 0.125 years of service time. So pretty brand new. He has a 10th of a season of service time. Um, Clevenger has three full years of service time. So you can't just send a guy with three years of service time home in the same way that you can send someone who just got called up essentially. Would, would right. you agree with that? No, definitely you can't. The, the, especially based on Clevenger's history, I don't know if he has options. Uh, anyone that – so options, if you get called to the big leagues and then you get sent back down, that's an option. You get three options before you have to stay in the big leagues or if, you wanna get, if they want to send you back down, they, you have to clear waivers first. And then so any like team a, can grab you, yeah. Any team can grab you off of waivers. If nobody grabs you, then you're allowed to be sent back down to the minor leagues. But that's that's just a quick rundown. I don't know how many options Clevenger has, if any. Normally, guys have options if they're not a if they're a prospect like or a big time guy like Clevenger. Because once they get brought up, they never get sent back down. Yeah, that's so I would my guess. He's with probably him. got some options. Yeah, I would guess that he probably does too. His first year, he pitched like 50 innings, and then his next three years, they're pretty relatively full seasons his second year wasn't quite as full but then his last two were pretty full so he's been up for it looks like parts of four or five seasons so three years of service time and five is is pretty pretty legitimate so yeah yeah well how do you feel about this though uh i mean is that the right move by these clubs i mean what do the players need to do here can we really control them? I, I don't think i think they i think they dropped the ball already that you I, we talked about it off air if MLB or the, player, like, or the players? Uh, MLB. If you're going to travel to different cities and have no fans, why wouldn't you just do the bubble like the NBA did and make sure that you can keep these guys centralized in one spot? If you're going – like, I don't blame Zach Plesek for not wanting to be locked in the, you know, the, the W Hotel downtown when he's from Chicago and he's probably got family and everybody in town. Mm-hmm. And Clevenger is probably not pitching. He's probably – whatever. So he's going to go out like these, you can't, the rules on these guys are, you can't leave the hotel. You can basically only be in your hotel room and the field. You can't leave. You can't do anything else. Uh, that's hard. They're, they're grown men. Like they're in different cities. They're in big cities. They, they've got friends. I'm not saying that they should be able allowed to go out, but to police it is going to be super difficult. And to not just entertain, like why not just do it in Arizona in a bubble? and have them all stay close. And I know the argument against that was that, well, if one person gets infected, you could essentially infect the whole league. But at this point, now you're trying to control guys in 15 different cities. I mean, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, it seems very very difficult to control for sure. However, if you're Zach Plesak, do you do this? If you're in the big leagues, you just got called up, do you do that? Do you go out and risk it? Not Zach Plesak. That guy's. what are you doing? You don't that's have a, the clout. That's a, that's a dumb move, for sure. That's a dumb move. But that's a dumb move even if there is no COVID. Like, that's a dumb move, like, to get caught going out as a young guy when you're trying to make a name for yourself in the big leagues. Like, have a good outing or two before you go out in the town so they can't just send you back down and probably scratch your name off the list of ever getting called back up by them. 
Yeah. Well, and it's not clear. I mean, did he do anything when he went out or he just, it just was known that he went out in general. I think it was just known. Yeah. Just known that they went out and which is, I mean, again, like I'm not going to argue with like these guys are grown men. They're going to go out and do things like we both leave the house. It's like, it'd be very hard to just sit in the hotel room, uh, order food to the hotel. I get it. Granted, this it, is the time you live in. Like this is, yeah. the, this is the situation you're, but if they really wanted to control that, instead of having the police, these guys on the road, just send them, do it at your spring training complex and don't leave. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I can't relate because when my rookie season in plebeian independent ball, right. Not even the major leagues. I was, I was, I laid super low in spring training. I didn't leave my host family's house. I got to bed at like nine 30. I was eating healthy food, getting very well rested. Cause the only thing I cared about was making that team. That was like, I knew I had one shot and I might not get another spring training invite. And I was like, I'm not doing anything I can regret. And sure enough, the, this was what was weird about my rookie season spring training. I, they had never seen me pitch. I got a contract because I threw for a coach who highly recommended me to that coach. And it was like on good faith, like, all right, we'll give this guy a shot. Like we had a couple guys that were highly regarded from, from my manager vouched for me. And so I showed up and they'd never seen me. So I was like low man on the totem pole had to prove when everyone else was brought there signed by that coach for like for a reason. All right. So then what we didn't know was we were going to get four or five exhibition games. Right. But we had this terrible Midwest spring where it rained and rained. It was miserable and cold. We traveled a couple of times, got there, got rained out. And as it turned out, we got one inner squad against our own team. That's what an inner squad is obviously on a high school field in Downs, Illinois. That was the only time we got innings. In the entire spring training, like live innings, all of us got two or like, all of us got three innings. I dominated. I went out there and I threw fuel and I dominated. I, a ball didn't leave the infield against me. And little did I know that was the only outing I got. And it was the same for everyone else. And a bunch of guys the night before that inner squad went out and got hammered drunk and they didn't pitch very well. And they were in there making excuses in the dugout afterwards. They're like, oh, I'll throw better next time. That was it. This is their only chance. They got cut. So smell ya. You know, like go home. Yeah, that's, that's how that's how life is sometimes, and you don't well, know. You're, you don't know. You're talking independent ball. I mean, this guy's at basically the pinnacle of his mm-hmm. profession. Like you, you just can't feel bad got, for him. They, like, they got guys. Yeah, they got guys who want that job. They'll sit in, in quarantine for a shot in the big no, leagues. You, no bet, you betcha. You betcha. Yeah. And in any in any other year this would not be a thing. Like he would have been fine to go get these guys go out every night. They go get dinner. They, they meet up with friends. Like they meet up with yeah, the other yeah, team. Of course. Like they, they're friends with guys. And this is just bad. I mean, no, no, you know, the situation, know your surroundings. It's just, sorry, Zach. Like I feel bad. You feel bad for the kid, but you don't. Yeah. Cause it's not even, it's not even like he was, and I don't know what he was doing. I don't care. I'm not going to like research any he, further, but he, he might've went out with like his parents. Yeah. With his parents or just like some friends who were like, this is so exciting. You're a big leaguer and you're back in your own hometown. Like that's amazing. That's so exciting. Right. But still like you just kind of know what the consequences are and he got them. So, yeah. So let's talk about this same thing. I was warned the same exact thing as far with front office dating. So you're married now when you're playing, you're not married. Um, my coach, this is what he told me, who one of my coaches, still a good friend and mentor. He's like, Dan, listen, you'll probably encounter at some point in your travels, 
like a, a really cute front office girl who maybe like you meet and you guys get along with. If you happen to like have a relationship with her or you just whatever, if, if she gets her feelings hurt, they're going to get rid of you. They're going to value their front office employees much more than some replaceable ball player. And that will be the end of you. He said, so here's my advice to you, Dan. Do not under any circumstances mess with the front office women. Don't, don't like just be cordial, be polite, but consider them romantically off limits to you entirely. How do you feel about that? Is that good or bad advice? It's great advice. It's great advice for independent ball, especially affiliated baseball is a little different. Those employees of the team are necessarily employees of the team that you play for. They're employees of the minor league team that it, there's a separation of like church yeah. and state there. You're owned by the uh, Braves, not that little minor league. Spot. Right. Not, yeah. not Lynchburg Hillcats. Uh, mm -hmm. Good advice though. Do not, do not poop where you eat. Essentially. Uh, that's yes. Thank that's you for being always, easy about it. There you go. Yeah. It's very good advice. This coach is obviously speaking from some kind of experience. Either he had a player or he has himself to, <laughs> I don't know. He's definitely, he, he this was, guy's smart. This guy's he was, smart. He was speaking from experience in that he saw at least a couple teammates get either into serious issues or get released because of it. Right. Um, he did said he said he, he dated a local reporter, which whatever. But even then right. he said, even he said, even then say you're to meet a, a news reporter who covers the team and is very closely tied and well-regarded with the team, they'll still be like, oh, screw that. Like, that, that guy's not playing well, and he broke your heart? Like, get out of here. You know, it, it's just, like you said, it's just like office romance for athletes. Is, it's, it can impact your career for sure. Right. And oddly enough, my rookie season, there was a really pretty girl in the front office that I thought was really cute, and she was really nice, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Nope. Don't do so, it. Don't do it. Yeah. So anyway, it's good advice. It's, it's great it is, advice. It is. It's, it's good advice for, I mean, I got to imagine if I had a, if I had a corporate job and I worked for a state farm and I had an office and there was a good looking girl in the office, like another agent, that would be a conflict of interest. And that would cause some issues with the boss. If you were involved with a coworker and it wasn't prior to working there. Well, and I think you also just need to be really careful about the relationship. And, and like you and I talked about off air. Now, if you're like in an office where you feel like there's like really legitimate chemistry and like really like a legitimate, this could be a very serious relationship, maybe a long term, maybe a, a future wife or husband, whatever, you know, like that's a little different. And I think in the sports world, maybe you still consider it the same way. Either way, you probably stay out of it. But it's like, man, this person, I feel like could be my spouse one day. That's, I think, a little bit different than rather than just like, I'm just trying to, you know, casually date someone or like, I just want to sleep with this yeah, person. That's, that's where you definitely stay away. Yeah, yeah. But if this is like, man, we really connect and this could be have a serious long term thing, then, you know, obviously office romances happen and like people get married from people they sure. work with because you're in close quarters. So it's not to say you can that can never work, but. You just have to understand like where your heart's at, I think, too. Like if it's because like, we we've both heard of guys who like married someone in the front office. Like that does happen once in a while. Yeah. But that's I think wholly different than just like sleeping around the front office. Because that's certainly a not a good thing to do. I would I would stand by the rule of thumb of don't poop where you eat. Yes, yeah, for sure. Just say it better safe than sorry, especially when you're talking about a career. Like to forget the sports world. If you're a 
Yeah, you get a if reputation. You, yeah. yeah, if you're climbing the corporate ladder and you've got a well-paying job and all of a sudden you just decide like, hey, the, the assistant in the office next door looks like she might be fun. Okay, well, how fun? Yeah, how, yeah don't do that. Not that fun. <laughs> well, and the McDonald's CEO is in big trouble about that. Have you heard about that story? No, no. He had he had some inappropriate relationships with employees as the CEO of McDonald's and got ousted. And then he apparently hid evidence of more so he could keep a really large severance package. And now McDonald's is suing him for fraud for <laughs> covering that up. So more stories of why that's a terrible idea. Yeah. If you if you're the CEO of McDonald's, like you've got to be making a couple shekels a just year. Date out, yeah, just date outside Come the on, office. Come on, dude. Date outside yeah. the office. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sure you have enough at your disposal that you don't need to date the secretary from, I don't know, the McDonald's in Salem, Virginia. Well, I don't know that I was in the restaurants, but in the corporate, <laughs> in, the, in the corporate office. So let's, let's shift to, to social media and the golden age. So what do you think was the golden age of being an athlete? Robert, Look, the and, how would you, age, and how would you define, define golden age? Here's what it was. I'll tell you right now. The golden age of being an athlete was the, was the probably like from the time Michael Jordan was a rookie to like 98. Like it was, it was basically Jordan, Michael Jordan was the golden age of sports. And I'll tell you why. Social yeah. media was, was just non-existent. You could be a celebrity, a very popular celebrity without being on blast in the news but you're still, but there's enough media to be well known. I, and also, let me let me let me extend that. Like 1984 to 2004, that 20 year span. Because I like to lump Derek Jeter's life, early life into that, because that guy is just the epitome of what professional athletes should be professionally, both professionally and socially. Keeping like his off off field image just. Squeaky clean. Squeaky clean, like yeah. never in the news. And part of that, that would never Which happen. Say, remar- like remarkable. Yeah, it's remarkable. But, but we're talking golden age, right? Like there's no Twitter. Like no one's out there on with their camera phone snapping. Like you, if you want to take a picture of Derek Jeter, you had to have the, the big camera in your, on your chest, like ready to take one. You couldn't just snap it with your phone. Like, oh, there's Derek Jeter in the back of the club at four in the morning on a Tuesday. Yeah. Like, no, he did it. Like I've heard stories of, I was with the Orioles. So I, you know, I hear Cal Ripken Jr. Stories from these older guys. Like mm-hmm. they're great stories and you never hear about it because there's no way to re- like that information only gets relayed to like a newspaper reporter and maybe he puts it on the back page and nobody reads it. It's not this, this is like the speaking death, of, this the, is the death of speaking of the last dance. Could you imagine Dennis Rodman? <laughs> now in today's media he he wouldn't have a job he wouldn't have a, he wouldn't be a basketball player i like no. he would cause so many issues with with the team and they'd be like this is too much and man think about how many issues he caused with his team with the bulls in yeah. the 90s and there's no no social media the fact they let him that they let him take a two-day vacation or if whatever in the it's middle of that insanity. one season is, is insane. insanity but it's also a testament so if you haven't watched The Last Dance, you should go watch it on Netflix. It's a 10-episode 10, 10 documentary on Michael Jordan and the Bulls from their, their golden age. But yeah, he, Dennis Rodman was a loose cannon. He had just like, he had issues. But I mean, to the Bulls' credit, 
they kind of took care of like, look, if this is what Dennis Rodman needs right now to be here mentally with us, then let's just let him do it. Like what, what is 48 hours to the bulls in that point? And I think honestly that that was like a pretty, again, it's just like trying to, to understand what their teammate, each people, each person on that team needed as yeah. a person to be okay. And the fact they let him do that, like, look, go to Vegas, get it out of your system, come back and play basketball. And he did. I think that's, I think that's kind of remarkable. It's amazing. I mean, a, a it's testament amazing. to Phil Jackson. Yeah. But that's, that's, it's un, that's the golden of. age. That's the golden age. Let's say like 1984 to 2004. That's the, that is the well, golden why not, age of sports. Why not before that? Because, oh, oh, you said that there's enough cameras to make you famous, but not enough to ruin you. Right, right. So, like, Mickey Mantle and – Yeah, like, he lost those, out on a lot. He mm-hmm. lost, like, like, like who's, the, who's the most famous athlete from, like, the mid-1950s, 60s? Is it Muhammad Ali? Probably, like, world famous. Yeah. And there's – now there's, there's – how many athletes have the fame of Muhammad Ali, like, are known around the world? There's 100 athletes like that. Well, he was football. he was maybe a little transcendent, and of course, Michael Michael Jordan was, and is still to this day more transcendent than maybe any athlete ever was. Right. Michael Jordan was like a phenomenon in Japan and literally everywhere. Right? I'm sure LeBron James is, um, who I, I have a lot of respect for, uh, is still like known all over the world. But Michael Jordan was like next the fact level. That he's like still incredible. The fact that he's still famous, how he is famous, like. Magic Johnson isn't famous how he was famous back in the 80s right now. He's still known, but he's not – like Michael Jordan is like people stop and take pictures. Like people recognize him. I don't know how many people would recognize maybe Magic Johnson walking down the street. I'm sure oh, they would. but Yeah, but not anywhere near. Not, anywhere not near. Michael Jordan. Well, and Jordan, his brand was the other thing that I think made him global. I mean, where there was no shoe brand like that at the time. I mean, it was – Michael Jordan was the best athlete in the world. And then also – his Jordan sneakers were the coolest product in the world. Like everything yeah. Jordan was just like the biggest thing on planet earth, which is a scary amount of fame to have to deal with. And they, and they talked about that a little bit in the last dance, not, not as much as they probably could touch on, but that was probably a really hard situation for him being as, as not normal as possible. Like living. So imagine that, imagine the Instagram followers Michael Jordan would have now if he, he was, he'd have, crazy. he'd have the most in the world. Like, yeah, so it would just be an, it'd be stupid, stupid number. So, what's your where where you fall? What's your golden age of sports? Um, I, I think I tend to agree with you. I think it was probably a little more on the tail end, maybe the two thousands, because I'd say right before social media took off. Because it, it's just like taking what you said and getting it yeah. more notoriety, higher salaries, more places to to spread your image, probably than than the the nineties or I think 2000s. that lasts. That last like six to eight years of the window I gave, like the '98 to '04, because the money just boomed at that point. Like Michael Jordan was making thirty million a year, mm-hmm. whereas in 1984, like the highest paid guy was getting like a million bucks. Yeah. So I mean, when you hit the tail end of that of that window, you're general general generationally wealthy and fame beyond well, all recognition. Maybe. Generational wealth is a, is a hard thing to define. Because you can blow through a $10 million salary if you spend, I mean, you can spend that amount of money. Generational wealth is like you have a machine that's churning it out. Like you have significant investments, like a real estate mogul, I feel like has more generational wealth than a pro athlete does. Because 
I could make $80 million, $200 million and live a lavish lifestyle and spend it. And that money isn't really growing generationally. It's not growing year to year. Whereas when you hear about people who are really financially wealthy, they have investments that are pouring $2 million into their bank account every month. And they're not doing anything for it because there's the stock market is paying them all these dividends. Their investments grow 20, you know, 10, 20% year over year. They have all of this real estate money pouring in from tenants. They own apartment buildings. They own all that stuff. That's the money. That's like, yeah, go buy and go buy a new Ferrari. Who cares? We just made a Ferrari last week because of, you know, rent money and all this other stuff. That's, that's to me a little more generational wealth. Whereas if you're stupid with your money and you made a hundred million dollars when you're 25 or 30, you can blow through that money in bad investments and stupid spending and all that pretty fast. But so, if you're smart, if you're you, smart, you, if it, you can absolutely turn into generational wealth for sure. Buy some, buy some good investments that if you have a $20 million head start on everyone else to invest wisely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're gold. Interest off that money alone should be enough mm-hmm. to sustain you. At least a normal person. But yeah, that golden age. I mean, Michael Jordan just what a what a lucky what a lucky crazy jerk that guy is. Um but Ryan Christensen, the Oakland A's bench coach, was recently caught doing like the Hitler salute to his players as they were coming into the into the dugout. Yeah. Um and of course cancel culture want him fired. Um should he be fired? Should he not? Uh, I'm not, no, no, he shouldn't, no, he shouldn't be fired. You, you should be allowed, like, allowed mistakes that don't, I mean, I, granted, this is a stupid mistake, and I have the quote up here, uh, he said, obviously, I wasn't doing that intentionally, says this to reporter Susan Slusser, I just blacked out, my mind wasn't there, and I spaced out, I'm sure it looks terrible, I did it, but it was not intentional, uh, I don't know what else, I don't know what more to say. So I'm not sure he sounds remorseful. Not that personally I not, care not if he the sounds best apology. remorseful. Yeah. Um, you know, he then he, he goes on to say, uh, that was me turning and saying, oh, yeah, that's what I did, isn't it? Christensen said to the Chronicle, I turned and said, I see what you mean. Oh, no, that's like Heil Hitler. I'm cringing inside, picturing myself like that. Anyone should know better. It's like standing there with my middle finger up. And then this article goes on to say, no, it's not like the middle finger. Hitler was much worse than the middle finger. Like we understand Hitler yeah. was worse than giving someone the middle finger. He's just saying that you don't give the middle finger to anyone in public because you know, it's wrong. The same reason you don't do the Heil Hitler because you know, it's wrong. But I, I, you know, he should not be canceled. He should not lose his job and his, and the rest of his life for a mistake like this. But why not? I don't why not? I think you, I think you said it earlier when we were talking off air. People should be allowed to apologize within a certain time frame. Like he apologized right after. He didn't he didn't let it stew. He didn't kind of back it and then backtrack. Like he didn't say, "Oh no, that's not a big deal." And then once he got crushed crushed for it, backtrack on it. He said, "Look, I blacked out. It was a mistake. I didn't should never done it." Okay, should he lose his job and his livelihood? I don't think so. I mean, the, it, at what, it never ends. There's not, a, there's not a person, this person writing about it that says he should lose his job. This person has something in their past that would cause them to lose the current job they have, I think. There's very few of us that have not done something that's 
maybe not as bad as this, but, but just to relate it, we've done something bad that we've been allowed to apologize for and it hasn't ruined the rest of our futures. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I fall on the side of probably he sh- like an, an apology should be okay. Um, because I, granted it's a bad sign and especially for someone of Jewish descent, like that's a really insensitive thing to do. But I think also context does matter when we're doing things. And this was uh, also in a book that I read recently. Um, like, doesn't it matter? Like, it does it matter if he really didn't, if he really didn't mean it like that? Like, and I, we don't know it's intent. Like, we don't know I what don't was going to say. We yes. can't possibly mind read. What if it doesn't matter that you really didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings and you're just being stupid. And like, and I think it, I think it does. I think it does matter to an extent. I think when that's the case, like people should be like, look, I just, I'm, I'm human. I screwed up right. this time. I don't think everything needs to be fireable. And, and part of it is everyone who's not in the media, who's not in the spotlight, they don't have that. You know, we like a normal person who's an accountant can do something stupid at some point in time and not lose their job over it. And that's, what's hard about being on TV, being a celebrity, being an athlete these days is that anything you say that's wrong can get you fired, which I realize that with more power and high, high salaries, there's more responsibility. But at the same time, I think now if this was a guy who we knew had a past of like anti-Semitism oh, or did some he? like, I know I'm saying if, no, I don't know that. I don't, oh, okay. Like, okay. I don't think that's the case. If you knew that there's like a past here, that this is maybe like a reflection of what his really, his values are, then I think that is a little more context that could be considered. But sometimes when you're just like being silly with your teammates, you just like do stuff and you're not really thinking through it. And you're just like, I don't know, it's not out of the realm of possibility to, to someone who isn't Jewish to just like do a symbol that like, they're not really thinking about what it used to mean, you know? X amount of years ago. Con- it's not, it's not out of, matters. Yeah, I think context matters. And again, it's certainly un- insensitive and I'm sure, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's hard to know where to draw the line in today's society of what, what should get you fired and, and what doesn't, I don't know. It's, it's not clear, but it's, it's worth talking about. It's probably fireable if he shows up at like a Jewish temple and does it right. Like if he's, well, yeah, if, I mean, come on. Well, but intent, right? The intent, like he's on the baseball field. Like there's, there's no backstory. Like you just see somebody like this, like they could just be going in for a high five and someone ghosts them, right? Like obviously that's not what happened. We have video, but context matters. Like you said, if he shows up at a Jewish uh, temple or he shows up at a- Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We, we, you know, something we like it. that. Yeah. So Marcus Stroman has opted out for the season. Pretty big deal for the Mets. They lose one of their best starters. Uh, this seems convenient that it was right after he got his service time that he needed to be a free agent at the end of the year. Is that true? That is true. That's that's everything that's being reported is he. Uh, I'll try and pull it up, but he definitely has hit his service time to be a free agent. Gotcha. So, so he, this year he exceeded six years of service, which grants him free agency. Okay. 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 Um, so what do you, how do you feel about this? I don't, I have an issue with his, here's his quote is that he, he's been talking with family members for weeks about this issue and ultimately decided to opt out. 
bullshit. Pardon my French. That's he knew what his service time was. And that's cool. Like I'm all for the player getting his like, you know, there's plenty of times front offices manipulate service time to keep guys an extra year. I get where he's coming from, but don't lie straight to everybody's face and say that, Oh, it's, you've been thinking concerns over COVID. You've been in this bubble with these guys for over a month now. Like your concerns for COVID should have been right at the beginning. You would have opted out. You you wouldn't have waited till precisely right after you got service time. So just don't lie about it. Like, just tell, shoot me straight. Like, yeah, I wanted my service time. I want, I want to be a free agent. So I stayed, I'm still concerned with COVID. So I'm leaving now. Say that. Don't just say you've been having this discussion for weeks and now is the appropriate time. Like, no, it's not. The, the appropriate time would have been right in the beginning. Now just say, call a, call a spade a spade. Like, Hey, I want to, I wanted my service time. So I stayed for my service time. Like this is what front offices do to us. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Just say it. Stop lying. Because it says here, he reiterated profusely how much he loves the Mets organization. Okay, that has nothing. Just say you wanted your service time and you want to get paid next year. Say it. Don't lie to me. And Marcus Stroman's very outspoken on a lot of things too, so he's a little polarizing in that aspect as well. Yeah, it does seem convenient, which is a little disappointing. Um yeah, I don't know. I personally, I don't, I don't have a strong stance on it. But it, you're right; it does seem convenient that it says that while he was on the injured list, he he passed his six years uh, of service time that he needed to be a free agent. So I don't even yeah. care, really. Like like you said, like it doesn't bother me. It's not my career; it's his. Like this is this is a this is an A B. This is a Mets Stroman issue. This really has nothing to do with anybody else. But why lie about it? Just speak the truth. Like, Hey, I'm in it for me. Like I'm going to get my service time and be a free agent. This is what front offices do all the time. And they try and sugarcoat it as well. Like, Oh, we kept the guy in, we kept Chris Bryant in the minor leagues for the first two weeks. He needed a few more at bats in AAA. Like, no, we didn't. This guy's the, the best player in your organization. You kept him down for two weeks. Like just say we're keeping him down so we can have an extra year of control. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Shoot me, shoot me straight, Marcus. Yeah, no, and I don't. I don't think if, if that was part of his reason, like he was very and look, he could have been very unsettled by the COVID situation, which everyone is, and be like, I don't really want to. Like, I want to opt out from the beginning, but I'm going to stick it out for a month and get where I need to be. You know, get my service Great. time, and then yeah. after that, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing. Like, I wouldn't like when we start talking about the business decisions that, like you said, like clubs make over players manipulating service time to keep them down players can manipulate to get what they want i think that's completely reasonable but you're right i think if he had just been like look this was how it was i i was always nervous about this i chose to give it a month to try to get to six years and now that i have i mean it, it unfortunately that's just not going to come off not selfish but then like you said it's just business right he's not he's hurting his teammates potentially but then again you should prioritize your own health if that's how you feel and it should be a, your own decision for your family. I could get that. So yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's, it's probably the first incidence of that where someone's like, I just got to get what I need and then go. So yeah. And especially this year where it's like every team feels like they've probably got a, a decent chance to make the playoffs, like more playoff teams, shortened season. You're one of the aces. Like we've got a strong pitching staff, like even the lowly Mets, have a shot 
And you're well, kind of like, if I'm a teammate, yeah. I'm like, I get it. Like, you know, do, do you do whatever you feel like you need to do. You're an individual, but I'm still going to be a little pissed off. Like, don't lie to me. Like, just, I don't know. Maybe he let it be known in the locker room that, Hey, I'm out after service time, but just feels, feels shady. Well, feels shady from a guy who's got a lot of opinions on a lot of things. Well, the other thing is, A, that's going to free up a spot for a guy to come up and get and take those innings. So, A, that's good for someone else who wants to make a name for themselves. And, B, um, what was my B here? I can't remember. I think I just lost it. Dang. I had something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, the other thing – oh, this is my other thought. This season doesn't matter. You know what I mean? As much as – like, I don't know that anyone's getting screwed over by – him not playing this season is useless it, it doesn't mean anything winning a world series is useless and meaningless mm-hmm. so i feel like but they've got would, all they've got all know, they've, they've got to all know that well of course i would take i mean who doesn't want to be a big leaguer but at the same time the season doesn't mean anything it's useless so if you're just trying to like hey let's advance my career and let's keep my myself and my family safe i don't have a problem with it you know, this season doesn't mean it's a joke. So look, if Stroman wants to go, hey, I don't, I don't have an issue. So uh, let's talk about uh, Shohei Otani. So we didn't really cover him before. He is now having arm problems again, back to being just a hitter only, essentially. Why do you feel like these Japanese players struggle so much to stay healthy when they come over to the U.S.? It seems like it's a pattern. Maybe it's I not. Think it it's seems just... like it is. He's certainly struggled. So I played with one uh, Japanese guy who's I, – I, his background was he came from Japan throwing like 98 with a good split finger. He got here. He ended up – he didn't have arm problems. He just never could get his velocity. I think part of it is I'm pretty sure in Japan they're only on – they're on seven-day rotations, are they not? Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So they have a little bit more rest. But also the training in Japan is different. The season setup is different in Japan. Um where it's not like the big league. It's not, it's not apples for apples when you, when you go over. They do a lot of practice. They do their, their pregame and everything they do over there is a lot different than what big leaguers and Americans are used to or whatever what the Western Hemisphere is used to. To the point where if you're an American guy or an ex-big leaguer and you go to Japan, they kind of they tailor it to what you are used to you don't go through all the stuff that they normally go through pregame because it's not what you're accustomed to. I don't know if maybe the MLB needs to look into that for someone like, especially someone like Otani. He could be your ace. He could be your four hitter in, you know, 162 games. But yeah. I just think it's, I just think it's that he's so young and trying to adapt to what he used to do in Japan at the big league level. It's like, not like he went to the minor leagues and got a, a sense of like, okay, this works for me in a, everyday schedule on a five-day rotation he was put on the angels and said okay you're a starting pitcher you're also going to play outfield and you're going to be our our cleanup hitter and good luck because no one's ever done this before so uh, he's kind of learning on the fly the arm issues I don't know if they were expected he throws a hundred you kind of have to expect a little bit maybe just because he throws so hard kind of fast yeah it's not slow kind of fast it's kind of impressive but I don't I just don't know if he's learned how to adapt uh, with his, you know, with his routine. And it's honestly, it's very hard to be a guy who, who hits only so, like spot in the lineup 
like certain uh like spotty in the lineup. I mean, like he's in the lineup except for the day before he pitches, and then he only DHs yeah. after he pitches. So it's not necessarily like he's really uncharted territory as far as what he's trying to do in the big leagues right now. For sure. And let's let's look at his uh his stats here. So as far as pitching, and this is the thing about him pitching, is he's gotten like no innings to even say, like, oh, you know, he well, he got 50 innings in 2018, you know, 10 starts, five innings a start before, you know, blowing out his arm. So, right, it, like the sample size, I mean, that's not a small amount of innings, but it's not a, a large amount of innings where, I don't know, it was like he was hurt from the get-go. And he's still super young, like he said, but – at this point, after a couple years being just not really able to pitch and coming back from surgery, and you wonder if he's ever going to – like at some point you just like lose your traction completely where they're like, eh, not really a pitcher anymore. You, want, you wonder if he keeps getting chances. I'm sure he'll continue to get chances, but how many, if he's even going to be as good when he comes back again. You know, you assume he's probably a wrap for this season. Like right. next year, can they, can they count on him? Do they want to count on him? Do they throw him in the bullpen? Like, it's hard to figure out what to do when you start to be injury-prone because he's starting to get that injury-prone label from a really young age and young time. And there's good guys in the minor leagues coming up who can throw a hundo too. Right. You know? And he had – I mean, he had, I mean he, had, he had great numbers as a starter in 2018. I mean, 51 innings, 38 hits, 22 walks, so a whip of about 1.2. 1. 1. 63 Ks in those 51 innings. So, like, good numbers. I mean, so you want to try to get that out of him, but it's hard to know. I mean, when you start – and that, and and psychologically, that's where it starts to be tough too. When you had a surgery and then you come back and now your arm's hurting again, uh, obviously I've been there. I, I did that dance my whole life essentially, but it can be for the wrong person who doesn't just, like, bore through it like I did. It can be really tough to come back and, and not hold back and not be worried constantly. And, and, and being mentally free as an athlete is really important, obviously. Well, and he's not getting rest. It's not like he's not doing anything, just rehabbing his arm. He's hitting and he's potentially playing the outfield. You know, you're still using your body. Like it's still yeah. being a DH is still physically stressful on your body. And he's, and when his, his body's already taxed, and potentially hurt there's no he's there's no blueprint like he is making his own blueprint and they're trying to figure out as they go and it's a, i mean especially in this season like you said it kind of doesn't matter for if you're the angels maybe it matters because if you have two decent starters and mike trout you could win a world series in mm-hmm. a shortened season so it's hard i don't know what i don't know what he does but it, he's a rare rare talent in the baseball world so last topic of the day Bobby, why can baseball players be fat? So, um, <laughs> tell the story. Tell the story. Uh, so, a friend who's British, she was like, she's like, I don't really understand baseball, and why all these Yankees play is they have like beer bellies. And I'm just paraphrasing and using a, a British accent, but I'm like, well, she's like, wouldn't they be? Wouldn't they be better if they were more fit? And I was like unfortunately the answer is no. And I'm trying to think about who on the Yankees is fat in her eyes, but maybe like Luke Voigt. Maybe, but he's not, I mean, he's, no, not, he's, he's not fat. No. no or like uh, Gary, Gary Sanchez is a little huskier for sure. 
but it's hard to explain from someone who like soccer, obviously football is the big sport over in the UK and they have rugby. Um, and both of those, both those athletes are very fit. Like rugby players are obviously more muscular than soccer players. Soccer players are all a buck 50. Um, right. And obviously they're running constantly and rugby, you have to be running constantly, but you also have to be carrying more muscle, more like a, a linebacker in football, of course, they're not anywhere close to as big as football linebackers or, you know, NFL players. Like you would not want to play rugby with a NFL team with their pads off. No, no. And they're not even comparable in size. Uh, although there are some very big, terrifying rugby players for sure. But on the whole, they're more probably my size, like six foot, 200, like a well-built rugby player. But anyway, yeah. not, not six foot, 240 running a four, seven. That's, terrifying like jj watt would literally kill people if he played rugby if he was still playing football um gronkowski Gronkowski, like you want to be able to rugby field with gronkowski hitting you without pads good luck the guy the patriots signed a rugby player from australia and he was like an animal just a fullback like also probably had to bulk up a lot probably had to bulk up a lot no he was huge he was already huge that was that's probably why they signed him because he was just like he had a neck like this big just didn't even need to wear a helmet he was just a a ball of muscle but so if you were to explain to someone because i had a tough time explaining this that it's just like it doesn't matter like if you're gary sanchez or you're a first baseman like you're paid to be big it doesn't matter if you have a little more fat on your stomach if you have a little fatter butt and legs, if you're a little bit slower, that you're paid to hit the ball far and produce power. And and just be – so it's like, okay, well, if Gary Sanchez was, you know, 10% body, body fat instead of 20%, for example, I have obviously no idea what his body fat is, would he be better at baseball? The answer isn't clear. And the answer is also probably not for some re- odd reason. You know what I mean? Well, it's weird. It's weird. Baseball – because baseball is short bursts of power, right, power movements – so if you look at like powerlifters, it's funny because I was actually watching a video of the guy that did the a, a one ton T O N N E deadlift, and he like he's not ripped. Like he looks kind of like chubby, no. but he's not chubby. Like he's obviously the strong, what strongest person in the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. But the power move, it's like that short burst of pot, like powerful explosive movements it's not like a basketball player where the cardio is so like the need for cardio to be in good physical cardio condition like baseball we essentially run what 180 feet at most in a dead sprint and then yeah you rest and you wait and then you do it again and you throw hard for you know a second and a half and then you rest so i guess that Baseball players, I guess if they had to train differently for a different activities would be in probably more lean and cut up, but for what we do and, and that's not to say there's not guys that are in really good shape that are just ripped. Well, that's baseball, like uh, football guys. But when you see a lot of bigger players, first baseman catchers, a lot of these pitchers that are just, they're just big bodies. Like you don't see many six, five guys that are just shredded six pack, like, everything like these guys are they've got a lot of beef on them mm-hmm. and they perform a lot of big moves i mean i don't know how you describe that to a to a european yeah. uh, woman who's never seen baseball played before but well and that's the thing most of the players on the field today in the modern game are pretty fit i mean any outfielder is 
pretty in shape. I mean, like Bryce Harper is a very muscular dude. Center fielders are always very like hyper athletic. I mean, you get a Mookie Betts, like that dude's in sh- in shape, obviously, right? Shortstop, second base, same thing. Oh, yeah. very, very agile positions. Third baseman is still going to be like a big dude has to move. Like Nolan Arenado is a very fit guy, right? Those are all. So it really just no the positions shape you where it's really just catcher and first base in the modern game. But what I would say is, and this was an interesting study done. Um, so one of my like training mentors, this guy, Nick Tumanello, he's uh, obviously like a lot of good trainers are like current on the research. And so one good question was, why are offensive linemen in football so fat? Like, why does it seem to matter that they're 380 or 400 pounds? Like, if you're just strong, like, and here's the example, like a football lineman can probably bench 450 pounds, right? Probably, right. for sure. Um, well, what if I can bench 450 pounds? Can I be a football lineman? We have the same, like, pushing strength. Like, can I, can I do it the same way? You would think the answer is, well, yeah, maybe, if you're as strong as him. But here's the thing. There was research done seeing how much of what percentage of your body weight you could press while standing. So you're in like a split stance, like a lineman would be one foot behind the other. And you're how much can you chest press with just yourself standing unsupported. So no bench behind you, no pads, like you're just in the middle of a field. Right. And it's, it's basically just about 50%. If you're in the strong, if you're really strong, it's up to about 50% of your body weight. So even if you can bench press 450, it's still only about up to your half of your body weight. So if I'm 200 pounds and I can bench press 450 because I'm standing and I need core strength and I need this, like I need weight into the ground essentially to stabilize me, I'm only going to push 100 pounds-ish in that standing press. Whereas a lineman, because they for, they're 400 pounds, they can push up to 200 pounds. And so body mass, that was a really interesting study because it's not just about weight room strength because I think we all of us, again, you probably realize that even if I'm super freaking strong, I can't be a football mm-hmm. lineman. And that's the reason that when you have this big tree trunk base, like an elephant, you can just push stuff around. Right. And so that's part of, I think the analogy for baseball that even if a first baseman's like a little flabbier, there's probably a reason that he can hit the ball so darn far that if you just made him shredded and 25 pounds less, he probably doesn't hit it as far his body just probably doesn't work quite as well and produce as much force Well, is it uh, for him, at least for him. Is it similar to like a, like a speeding train versus a freight train? Like if you get hit by a freight train, like it's just so much mass behind it that it's like a, yeah, like it'll blow you back. Whereas speeding train, like, yeah, there's, it's moving significantly faster, probably like a more athletic person, but there's not as much mass behind it. So you're not getting the, well, it's hard I to would, know because you're tra- ultimately transferring that power into a baseball bat. So, like, if Mookie Betts swings a bat 100 miles per hour and a big, fat first baseman swings at 100 miles per hour, it's still 100 miles per hour. It's not going to matter. But for a lot of people who are not crazy strong and hyper-athletic like Mookie Betts, they just might need more body weight to generate that 100 miles per hour for them, right. pers- them personally. You know what I mean? Like, if I was the same size as Mookie Betts, he's for sure way stronger and faster than me, no matter how much I work out. But maybe if I'm 30 pounds heavier than Mookie Betts, we can be on a similar size. Like we can be a similar strength. You know what I mean? Like you oh, have yeah. to even, even the gap by being bigger than people who aren't hyper athletic and, and crazy strong and all that. So, yeah, I mean, the size definitely helps. Like you see it, like you see a lot of little kids, like there's super athletic, younger kids that I have and like that I teach 
that just can't hit the ball as far as the as yeah. the bigger, mm-hmm. the chubbier kid because the kid just got more mass. Like you know, yeah. he hits like he can just move the bat a little bit quicker because he's got more mass to him. And I mean, there's something to be said for having more mass. I also don't want to play offensive line for the for the Bears, so I'll stick to my I'll stick to my skill position. Fair enough. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Bobby, this is a good in and out. Good little recorded episode, vacation episode, very topical. I'm proud of us. This, is, this was good. This, was, this, this is my least favorite episode. We didn't ramble at all. Next time, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll bring get some like conspiracy news stories or we'll talk about vaccines or Trump again. We haven't oh, talked about we'll Trump in a talk while. Everything. We'll, we'll get all out of our system when I get back. But thanks for listening. We will see you here at our regularly scheduled time coming up soon. 